Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. Thank you all for joining us. This is Nickish. It is January 23rd, 2021. You got your boys Mo and Nafi here in the morning on a Saturday, capping off after a uh, Knicks loss to the Kings. Um, but, you know, we're here to talk about it and the recent string games the Knicks played. And, you know, amongst other things. How you doing, man? How you doing this morning? Not bad. Could be better. I was just telling you before we went live or started recording that, like, these West Coast road trips be whooping my ass now, bro. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, at least we're a better team now, so it's not like I'm staying up late to just get demoralized. It's just like, you know, the Warriors game was fun. Staying up late, obviously a good victory. Woke up tired for work, but happy at least. But, yeah, how you doing otherwise? I'm good. I, you know, I feel like these games used to be at 1030, right, for us, Eastern Time, and they moved it up so. to make it easier for everyone to watch. Still not early enough. Adam I know. Silver got to make the executive decision. Fuck the West Coast. <laughs> Standard 8 o'clock for everybody. <laughs> it's, you know, we, like, I, I can't even imagine living in California and having to watch all these games at, like, 4 p.m. every day. Like, the main games that start at 7, 7.30, for them it's, like, 4, 4.30. Right, you probably still at work. You mean like those TNT games? But especially in Cali or like LA, because like I've been like we both been there, right? You like Mm -hmm. it's notoriously bad traffic. So imagine like you got to get out of work. You probably miss like a whole first half of a big game. You think so? Yeah, and like by the time it hits like eight thirty, most of the country's done with their sports games, and like then they just go out and just I don't know. Like a lot of us go out and watch watch these games in like restaurants or you know sports bars or whatever. Um, yeah, I can't imagine what these guys are doing all the time. I mean, I don't think people in Cali are complaining too much. Yeah. Like, to be honest with you, <laughs> they probably got it better than us. The but. Super Bowl for them is gonna start at like two o'clock or some shit. Dude, that's crazy. I mean, then again, Sunday football games will be like what, like one o'clock? That's true. That's probably like nine a.m. for them. Though. Fuck that. That's trash. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so bad. But yeah, um, I'm talking about these games though. So. <laughs> yeah, I mean, all right. Let's let's start with 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 the Warriors games because we we didn't really get a chance to talk about it, and then we'll follow up with the Kings game from last night. Um, I, obviously, I think a lot of people were happy from the game on Thursday night, uh, where the Knicks beat the Warriors. You know, two time NBA champs from from this decade with a reigning MVP, well, not reigning MVP, and but in an MVP and Steph Curry, and a you know overall very solid team, and it was a great win. Uh, the Knicks really, you know, came in with way more energy than the Warriors, and there are a lot of strong games from these players. We saw uh, a triple double, almost triple double, with with Randall. He only had nine assists, uh, was one assist away from it. And from R.J. Barry, we saw a career high twenty eight points, and all around. Uh, I, you know, I don't have to count how many twenty point game in a row this is. I think it's like four or five. Um, we also saw Mitchell Robinson eighteen and eight with two blocks. These were, the, you know, those were the main highlights. But overall, you know, top to bottom, and from the first quarter on, the Knicks uh, were always there with the Warriors and beat them by double digits. Yeah, bro. I mean, like I said, like at the top, that was a fun, fun game to watch. Mm-hmm. Like, um, 
this the defense we played on Steph. I know he got his numbers. I think he got like what thirty points, but like I got to give props to Alfred Payton because like I be shitting on him, especially like now that Randall turned it around. He's basically the one guy like the whole fan base can rally around as a dude to get out of here. But he <laughs> he got to get props because he was the first line in that defense. Like that whole scheme was just like to like stifle Steph. You know what I mean? And let everybody else like take the wide open threes. You know what I mean? And as soon as Draymond got, like, kicked out of the game, which was a bullshit technical foul, though. Mm-hmm. But then I was like, you know, we Knicks fans, we'll take it. Like, to, like they had a whole dynasty. Let us have this one game. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, once, like, Draymond got out of there, it just became a lot easier to execute that that scheme because then you're, you're relying on, like, or you're giving up open looks or better looks to Wiggins and Oubre. And I'll take that instead of Steph Curry, obviously. You know what I mean? So... I feel like that was an excellent defensive game, and I got to give Peyton his props for that uh, that performance because, like, he really did do a good job. You know, it's not like he's a he was Tony Tony Allen out there, but you know what I mean. Got to give him his props. But what do you think about his performance generally? I I, <clears throat> I think for this game it was good. You know, last night it wasn't as good. I think you know I, I will mention over and over again. Alfred Payne isn't a bad player. He's not a scrub, but he's a he is what he is. He's a guy who will come in give you okay defense, you know, solid once in a while, and um, occasionally is able to drive in and get you get you a basket, and uh, occasionally has a random triple-double, and that's pretty much it. But he's not going to be that guy that we really need. <clears throat> Sorry. And um, I think that came apparent in, you know, last night's game, but uh, we'll, mm. we'll dive into that in a little bit. Um, the, the Knicks overall in that Warriors game, um, they're – basically number one defense team defensive team in the league and that that was definitely apparent um in that, that might have changed after last night though like not interrupt my bad what's that that might have changed after last night though you know what i mean because that ugh. but yeah, yeah sorry for interrupting um no good and um you know there are guys who play well in the warriors game that didn't play well in the king's game and that could be a result of just a back-to-back game which you know we've we've seen Happen time and time again for various teams uh, in in the league, um, but yeah, like guys like Bullock played well, but didn't play well last night. Alec Burks was um, how many points did he score in this game? Eleven points, two for eight. Yeah, he wasn't very good. Um, Noel had eleven rebounds in this game. Again, this is the this is the Warriors game. Six points, mm-hmm. and Toppin and quickly had a nice play. But, you know, quickly kind of cooled down a bit since that Celtics game. But, you know, overall, top to bottom, it was, you know, coaching was done really well, and that's why they came out with the W. But it's really just that energy. And it's it's, it's interesting to see that the Warriors lacked in the energy that the Knicks didn't have, but flip side, Kings had the energy that the Knicks didn't have and resulted in two different uh, results. Facts. And feeding off that energy was, like, obviously one Rowan Barrett Jr., mm-hmm. the third. Is he a third or is he the second? Either way, RJ was just out there cooking against the Warriors, bro. Um, career had 28, right? Like yep. in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, I really wanted him to get 30, bro. And I was desperate for Randall to get that triple-double. Fucking L for Peyton, though. Joe, like, we'll, we'll get to him. Obviously, I don't want to get the Sacramento game yet. Um, we're, we're both no, no, I feel I'm like not chomping at the, the bits. I'm not talking about the Kings. I'm talking about the Warriors game. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I'm saying, like, you said fuck, fuck, fuck L for Peyton. Like, that immediately made me think of last night. You know what I mean? Because... We'll, we'll get to a whole fuck Alfred Payton segment later is what I'm saying. But, um, <laughs> All right. um yeah, bro. Um, yeah, I really want to Randall get that triple-double because, like, we got a lot of attention off that game, I noticed. You know what I mean? That, I feel like that was, like, the moment because even 
Woj and Zach Lowe were talking about it on Woj's pod like mm-hmm. yesterday. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? How good we're looking. But I feel like if Randall got that triple double, triple doubles make for nice headlines. You know what I mean? I feel like it would have been good for just like the added attention on us and props we'd get. You know. But what I love to hear so far, at least, um, from NBA analysts and like fans, is like the props Tibbs is getting. You know what I mean? Like, so hats off to Tibbs for uh, bro. I mean, he's doing exactly what like you know we thought he he could do and wanted him to do obviously you know he's yeah he and he's doing what we honestly didn't think that he could do i thought i think what he's doing is best nah, case scenario him. don't don't <laughs> like this season with this squad not this isn't a shot against with tibbs i just didn't think the roster was ready we none of us i can say you know confidently none of us thought that randall was going to play the way he's been playing and um just trying to get a where's the stats so R.J. Barrett, this is third 20-point game in a row, um, and this is his fifth in six games. And that one game that he didn't score 20 points, he scored 19 in. So he's he's been cooking these last six or seven games. Yeah, he's – ever since, um, like I said, I think I said it in a previous episode, like as, as soon as like that horrific like shooting performance, mm-hmm. he's like really kind of settled into his game. And what I've noticed – it's probably been pointed out by, you know, other folks as well. But just, like, when you're watching, you see Tibbs is putting him in more, like, downhill positions to, like, attack the rim. Like, um, handoffs, you know what I mean, more cutting action. And not really, like, um, expecting him to, like, be out there on the wing or, like, top of the key to, like, be in those positions to shoot. You know what I mean? And credit to RJ as well. He's he's passing up threes to, like, move the ball, attack more. And I noticed the threes he does take, or most of his threes, I don't know I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but it seems like, from my perspective, corner. he's more so focused on those corner threes, you know what I mean? Obviously, the shortest three in the, in the the on the court. So that's just high IQ from a 20-year-old player. And I got to, since we're on RJ, bro, you mentioned in your last episode, you're kind of moving off RJ as like a franchise kind of talent. I didn't have a chance to push back on you because I saw you, you were slick, you changed the subject right there. And I was like, okay, all right. <laughs> I'm going to keep this in my back pocket, but we here now. <laughs> like, care, care to elaborate, brother? <laughs> I said I I said that he, I don't see him as the number one option on a title contending team, and I'm still going to stick by that. Um, okay. I think his career high is still 20 years old. I don't think he's we, – we saw him at, like, a John Morant level or, like, a Zion from last year level. Um, but he's on he's up he's on the up 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 scale up scale, whatever the word is. He's going upwards, right? Okay. And that's good. I I of course I'd love to be wrong on this, but I for now I'm still gonna stick with maybe he's a, he's a number two option on a contending team. But I don't think he's that you know one of the top players in the NBA kind of talent. But he could be in like a top ten, uh, not, not not top ten, but maybe like top fifteen or twenty kind of player. Gotcha. That's I mean, why I'm I not gonna like moment. put. Yeah, it's not like I'm like it's a horrific take. I think it's a generally reasonable take, but I just like want to play a little devil's advocate. But it's funny you mentioned Zion last year. Good, good like qualifier because like he he's not looking good this year, bro. Yeah. And it's like watching. I thought it was exaggeration because like I you know obviously we're both like NBA podcast listeners, so I don't have chance to like watch the Pelicans. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So then these all these people are just talking about how like he just looks horrific on defense now, which is crazy because he was like he looked like a generational talent and dude. You know what I mean? So then I watch maybe like. Um, some Pelicans clips and just read some more. I'm just like, damn, this dude really like is not that guy. And then you watch some of his highlights. He don't have like, or maybe I'm crazy. You don't have that same bounce. No, like he did you're last not year. crazy. I I Yo. picked that up too. And it's just like, 
I mean, I feel like nobody's crazy then, because like his bounce last year, his athleticism popped off the screen. He was drawing young LeBron comparisons. You know what I mean? Now it's just like he's still out there killing, because he's like what the most efficient like uh, inside scorer so far in basketball, like statistically. I think I Maybe. swear I heard that before. I it thought was that was Brian Windhorst. I think Brian Windhorst in his Mickey Mouse voice said it on his podcast like two days ago. So I'm gonna give him credit for that. And I'm gonna ESPN give credit to you for listening to Brian Windhorst's podcast. I listen for the guests, bro, because like you, you, if you like tolerate his little like high pitch like squeal, and like you could you know just can get past that, he, he has some good guests on. You know what I mean? Like actual insight. But um, yeah, Zion, not not to go off on a whole tangent, just um, I mean, despite the fact that he's out of shape, he's out there killing inside scoring wise, but his defense is trash, and he just got to lose weight, bro. Like it's obvious now. But yeah, to pivot back to RJ, like my point, my my gentle pushback to just like kind of writing him off, not writing him off, but like just kind of the lessening or you know kind of um downplaying maybe the potential for him to be the number one option i my counter is like the very comparison a lot of people make with rj jimmy butler bro like yeah. at the same age jimmy go at the age of 20 was like still sophomore year at a uh, marquette you know what i mean and nobody before last year especially not me a jimmy butler fan thought like yo he'd be the circumstances obviously the bubble but he would be the number one option on a title team nobody thought that right and it happened I feel like it's an easy comparison to make just because he's a 6'7 wing, 6'8 wing. We got RJ 6'7 wing. Same coach. And then, like, Tibbs is getting RJ earlier in his development track than he got Jimmy. Mm. Jimmy was picked 30th, and Tibbs right away took the same kind of... Obviously, like, Jimmy wasn't as skilled back then, surprisingly, which kind of adds to my point. But he, like, Tibbs played Jimmy mad minutes, and then Jimmy suddenly just, like, really flourished. I feel like we could see the same from RJ because, like, we're even seeing it in season. Like, yeah. two, three weeks ago, people were really down on RJ, bro. And I was like, I wasn't there. I wasn't ready to hop off the bandwagon. You know what I mean? But it wasn't good vibes around RJ's game when he was, like, really out there bricking it up. But, you know, lately it's just like, yo, he's, you realize he's 20 years old. He's going to, it's going to be a roller coaster. But when it's, when that roller coaster is in that good spot, you could see, like, kind of the blueprint right there for what he can be. Like, yeah. I'm seeing, like, I'm seeing him really come to fruition or like that Jimmy Butler comparison with him come to fruition almost. So maybe that's just my devil's advocate take. But I genuinely do believe that like I wouldn't rule it out. I do think it's like percentage wise. He's probably like a 20, I don't know, only just 25% the chance for him to be like, <clears throat> excuse me, like that number one option. But um, I kind of do agree. He's probably like the number two guy, but I just think it's like too early to write him off officially. Yeah. You know? No, for sure. You know? For sure. Yeah. Uh, and he's he's a guy who is, like you mentioned earlier, is was really adjusting his game. He was shooting horribly from the three, so he toned that down. Defensively, he's really picked it up, too. And he's crashing a lot more boards. He got, I think, a couple of double-doubles in the last four or five games. Um, and defensively, he's been locking players up. And, um, yeah, he got two, he had back-to-back double-doubles against the Celtics and, and the Magic the last week. And he had seven boards last night and, you know, two against the Warriors. But in that game against the Warriors, he had five assists. So he's he's contributing where he can. And free throw percentage right now, he's shooting 75% from the, from the free throw line, which is a which is a big, you know, um, uh, improvement from, from last season. And, uh, yeah, and it's like yeah. the free throw line is like free money, bro. So, like, that was the most disappointing thing. Excuse me. That was the most disappointing thing for me last year was his free throw percentage. I really did not think he would be that fucking bad, you know, not to, mm-hmm. like, like inter- interrupt again. Yeah. But, um, 
Joe, just like 75% to, from what, 60% major, major boost. And like, like I said, it's free money. So like, even like if his efficiency isn't there, at least like if he keeps attacking the rim, he'll get the fouls and like, you know, his numbers will end up looking better just because that 14, 15 points per game could be like, what, 17, 18, because he's making more free throws to like add to his total. So, um, but yeah, generally, like, I feel like RJ always had that defensive potential. Like, we saw it in spots last year. He looked like a young kid, even for a rookie, that knew what to do on defense, even, and he was just still adjusting to the nuances of NBA stuff. Now he's got Tibbs and Johnny Bryant kind of really schooling him on that. And I, say what you will, like, we're, like I keep saying, we're going to get to the negative Alfred Payton part, but, like, that starting five unit, like, they play defense mad good together. Like you said, we were number one statistically defensive, defensive efficiency, and I think a lot of that's is a credit to the lineup that played the most minutes, I think, in the entire league, if, like, I recall Jonathan Macri saying that on his podcast. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, like, that starting five, like, offensively, it's, some nights it's fucking putrid, but our defense has been there, and that's with RJ contributing to that. Let me, let yeah, me ask ahead. you a question that kind of changes the topic a little bit, but sticks to the uh the on the you know the Knicks being one of the top defensive teams in the NBA. What does that say about Frank Nilakina's future with the Knicks? Um, I mean, I was gonna get to that off of like our Sacramento commentary, but yeah, like Frank I think is is gonna be necessary because if 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 his shooting improvement like prior to his injury like um absence, if that is legit, if that shooting is legit, I think he'll spot he'll have a spot in the rotation and what he's gonna need to just because Bro, there are nights where like his defense is gonna be crucial. It's gonna add to our uh, to what our team can do. But if his shooting is there, then he's the elite. He's an elite three and D guy on our team. You know what I mean? And like those guys, you look at like any like advanced lineup data for any team out there. Like teams that always have Robert Covington, that three and D role player. Those guys always have really good plus minus because they contribute to like high performance like um lineups because of their versatility and how malleable their skill sets are and i think frank if that shooting is legit i think he'll have a spot in the rotation it's just a question of who gets out like um like who do you think looking at our rotation right now would would frank like take take their spot who whose whose spot is frank taking basically Uh, i'm not gonna say he's gonna be a starter but probably bullocks that's really the only guy who can be a trade chip. But the reason why I'm asking is because the Knicks' defense wasn't that bad last night. It was really mm-hmm. just, I, to me, I felt that the Kings' defense looked better, but it was really just Knicks' offense that wasn't good. And there were yeah. points so many, so many times in the second half where they just couldn't get it going, and they needed that 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 IQ forced, uh, you know, layup thing that he did. They had one Knox three pointer that you thought was going to get things going, but then Tips took him out. I don't if Frank if Frank comes whenever Frank comes back and no one really quite knows when he's coming back, um, if he if he's not making shots and a couple of shots in his first couple of games, I feel like we're gonna trade him because without him the Knicks are one of the top defense league statistically in the NBA right now mm, without him with him obviously they'd get even better but what they need sore help with is offense and if he's not delivering that then unfortunately I feel like that's gonna be the opening for you know. Leon Rose or Scott Perry to be like he he's got to go. We need someone who can shoot and dish the ball out. More. I could see that. I I think I don't, I think like just like the packages we could put together. Let's say like you know RJ Mitch and probably Knox at the at this point and Top and IQ. I feel like those are the untouchable young players. You know what I mean? I feel like any Knicks fan right now would say that. So I was always, I've, I've been thinking just like Frank and Bullock is probably you know one of the 
combo deals we could throw out there to at least maybe get a shooter back you know i've been thinking that's like a that's the package we'd use and maybe like a couple of seconds or one of those dallas picks so like yeah i mean i could definitely see frank being a trade chip but let's say he the shooting is not there though wouldn't that mean his value is kind of tanks again like I'd prefer him to actually, you know, I'd prefer, I even think they're probably hoping he comes back and he looks like a better shooter so that they want to trade him anyway, but now they could get more value. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Someone put up uh, a trade scenario yesterday that kind of caught my eye. I know we mentioned Lonzo Ball <clears throat> a couple episodes ago, and we were talking about how awful his, his three-point shooting percentage is, and it's horrible. I think he's in the <laughs> 20s right now, and that's Good something yuck. that the Knicks need. And he's able to... He's able to dish the ball. He has solid defense, but, um, you know, the question isn't really should we get Lonzo ball, but the the trade scenario that I saw was a combination of Lonzo and J.J. Redick for Frank. Um, I think it was it was Bullock and, like, a couple of seconds, maybe, like, two second-round picks. It might be you know more because that, that Knicks side of things doesn't sound as good. Uh, I, yeah, I, might be, I, think... I might be missing one, but it's something along the lines of that. You, you get the idea. I mean, J.J. Redick, he's old, but shooting, you know what I mean? But um, it's, it's it's interesting you mentioned New Orleans. I think what could make that package a little more interesting is Alfred Payton. I know he's a no-trade clause, but, no, like, Louisiana is his home is his home state. He he played in New Orleans, you know what I mean? He signed a free agent deal with New Orleans. He has, I was watching him play last night, and obviously this is old news, but he's got, like, the uh, New Orleans Saints logo or something along those lines, like, tatted, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. he, he lives and breathes Louisiana. I think maybe he would waive his no trade clause to go back home again. Interesting. You know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know if David Griffin would want another non-shooting point guard, but it's a $5 million deal. Um, and because then I'm just thinking ahead, because if we do get Lonzo and J.J. Redick, it would make sense to swap Peyton, Peyton out of the lineup for Lonzo. You know what I mean? Because I feel like, you're yeah, you're replacing one non-shooting point guard for another non-shooting point guard, but I feel like Lonzo is more willing and able to take threes, which will help spacing better because like I keep saying like there are moments where like teams just ignore Peyton completely you know what I mean like there's a reason last night pissed me off so much because Kings had the worst defense in the league and they look like like fucking the 90s fucking Pistons against Mm -hmm. us last night you know what I mean like the bad boy Pistons like like what the fuck you know like we're literally that bad on offense it was like a battle of what could what's gonna be more crappy their D or our or like lowest rank offense or whatever the fuck so, yeah, man, I just feel like with that being said, I think teams, like, despite the fact that Lonzo can't shoot, his percentage has got to be better than Peyton, right? Or And Peyton be shooting, probably, like, two threes a game. <laughs> and he, yeah. he might make one. <laughs> well, that's the thing, because, like, I think the reason, like, another reason why teams just ignore him, like, yeah, he can't shoot, but he's not even really a, a threat to shoot, period. Like, right. he's not even going to try. So, like, why even, like, even be in that general vicinity? You know what I mean? Lonzo, the thing is, he can't shoot for shit, but he'll try. It's like the young Marcus Smart theory. Mm-hmm. Like, Marcus Smart, he couldn't shoot for a long time, but he kept fucking throwing him up. And it was, like, weird as shit. Like, we would clown him for that. But then he got better. That's how literally he just kept shooting until he, like, it became a skill. So maybe that's the thing with Lonzo. Like, maybe he could come here. Johnny Bryant could fix that, that jumper again, again, and, like, <laughs> make him useful. Because I love his IQ, bro. Like, that's the thing. That's why I feel like a lot of fans won't give up on Lonzo. He's got, like, hyper good basketball IQ, great passer. I love his love him in transition, you know what I mean? So, I don't know. If Peyton can be swapped for Lonzo, I think that'd be ideal. And you get J.J. Redick? You'd give up, I'd, I'd you, sign up for you'd that. you give up the two second-round picks? Um, Let's say hypothetically you said, what, and Frank, Redick? And Lonzo. Frank's in there. Frank's in there, too. Let's, let's say Peyton, 
waves that no trade clause because he's our superstar. You know what I mean? He got to give us permission to move him. You know what I mean? He's like, yeah, I'll go, I'll go back home. <laughs> we he's like, all right, fine, guys. Yeah, he's like, okay, you're one. I like New Orleans. You know what I mean? Him, Frank. Um, I don't think we have to worry about salaries because we got like what, like 17 million in cap, 19 yeah. million in cap left. The most in the NBA. Um, let's say the Charlotte second. And you put Frank in yeah, there yet or no? Yeah, Frank, Peyton, the Charlotte second, the Detroit second, and I might even give another future second on top of that just because, like, Peyton's so bad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yo, you're doing us a favor. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I would do that because upgrade our shooting, and I think Lonzo, with Tibbs, Lonzo's always been a good defender, but I think with Tibbs, he could transform into an elite defender, like all NBA, all defensive level kind of caliber, like, defender, I think. You know what I mean? But I'd do it. What about you? I feel like you're kind of wavering. Mm, yeah, I mean, if you think about what you're giving up, you're giving up three non-shooters. The second-round picks are kind of, you know, three second-round picks is a lot. Uh, I might settle with two second-round picks. Um, obviously, one of them was a joke. Um, for Lonzo and Redick, I, yeah, I don't know what their contracts are like. Um, they're both. Pre- I mean, Lonzo still on his rookie deal. That's probably like what ten mil because he was like the number two pick. Yeah. And Redick, I think, signed like a two year, fifteen mil deal deal last year. But this is off the top of my head. But the thing about those second round picks, though, like the thing I see, I've seen a lot, and I kind of agree with it from NBA writers. You know what I mean? Second round picks, from what they hear from GMs and execs, second round picks usually when teams compile them, they're just like sweeteners for deals like this. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, to make deals happen. I think, like, just looking at our front office, like, Leon and how, how they played the draft this year, they consolidated their picks for two rookies. I don't think, especially with Tibbs as well, him kind of leaning more towards veterans, I don't think he wants to have, like, go, he go, go into a draft and have three picks and a prospect of having three new young players, you know what I mean? I think we'll probably, the high end for this kind of franchise, I think, in terms of, like, drafting players and bringing them in, I think they'll bring, like, two at a time, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. um, we've got so many young players already. And, yeah, that's why I'm not kind of, like, uh, worried about giving up that many second-round picks because at least it's not a first, you know? I could have said the 2023 Dallas pick, you know? Nah, that'd be too much. And also, Reddick's coming off a—this uh, is his uh, final year on a $21 million contract or whatever. So yeah. we can definitely afford them and then extend Lonzo Ball after that. And if he gels with the team, then that would make it a good fit. We wouldn't lose out too much on the defense with Lonzo and Frank— and we just have to focus on one guy getting better at shooting threes than two guys. So, how about this? What if we threw Reggie Bullock in the deal, three for two deal, but we like keep one of the seconds? So the uh, Pe- Peyton Bullock, Frank, and both the second round picks we got this year I, for Lonzo and Reddick. I'd I, do that, right? I think I'd rather do that because Bullock is as good of a shooter as he can be. You know, I, I don't think he's a necessity on the team right now. And then yeah, we might like need to find another shooter through free agency or something. Yeah, like my G bad. Yeah, my bad. I was gonna chime in, but like, yeah, my bad. I interrupted. But um, nope. yeah, Redick, you're upgrading from a good, not great shooter to an actual great shooter. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? All like, time. That exactly, and that in itself, like, in the, what the league is right now, and we desperately need just shooting, bro. Not even just shooting, spacing. It's like it's like the corny hipster NBA fan thing to say, but yeah, spacing is an actual thing that's important. Like, if you have an elite shooter out there, it gives your guys, your playmakers, more room to b- breathe. You know what I mean? So. Bring Reddick in here, bro, and we have a Duke and Kentucky kind of reunion. We got a lot of Dukies, I think. RJ, Reddick, we know that's that's just them two, I think. Never yeah. mind. 
And I'm just I'm just trying to figure out on the flip side, would this trade even make sense for the Pelicans? I know their defense hasn't been too good, so Frank would be an update on that. Um, mm. But that's about it. Like, would it? I, I feel like they're a team that's really just trying to get into the playoffs and get the best players possible. Would Alfred Payton help them get into the playoffs? This dude has never been in the playoffs in his career. Meanwhile, Redick has right. been in, in the playoffs every year of his career, like with the exception of last season. Um, and Frank is a guy who's coming off and, you know, a ghost injury. Like, no one knows what the hell is up with him. Um, I, uh, the second-round picks might be a, a nice filler. Reggie Bullock might help a little bit, but Reggie Bullock is no J.J. Redick. So I don't know if this trade would make sense. with the with Maybe the idea is they don't want to re-sign Redick to a big contract or they're worried about signing Lonzo to a big contract. I feel like that, that could be the only thing. Yeah, I mean, I think it'll just save him money. You see the picture I just sent. <laughs> Why is that so hilarious? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but, um, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't make sense just because I realized they also have Eric Bledsoe. So, like, Bledsoe, Peyton, and what, George Hill? Um, I feel I like they'd be downgrading. Yeah, it's obvious, like, talent-wise downgrades. I don't see why you... I mean, maybe that's why we won't get Redick. Maybe we get both George Hill and Lonzo and say it's the same package from our end, you know? I wouldn't mind. I like George Hill. George Hill can shoot. Yeah, I yeah, like him. And, like, he could... I think he's a, a better, if not equal, shooter to Reddy Bullock, but he has the added um, ability to kind of be more of a playmaker, even if not, like, he's a great like penetrator at this point at his age pause pause if, if <laughs> applicable and he's a he's a he's a locker room leader too which is always always a good thing for a team that's trying to maybe make the play in um yeah Fair. all right let's let's get into the king's game first oh yeah first thoughts outside of the uh the putrid offense of the knicks anything else that really came away for you I told you offline, but I'm gonna repeat my same joke. Fucking Tyrese Halliburton came came out as like a scorned lover, bro. Like he was tight, and like not even that, he was balling out and going extra and like talking mad shit every time back to the after back to the bench, like like his girl was in the stands. Like like the very first time you bring your new girlfriend around to see you play basketball with the boys, you you gonna go extra hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Halliburton was out there like that's no knock on his game because. Yo, bro, he killed us. Like, objectively, he was he was looking really good out there. Like, defensively, he's not just, like, a good positional defender. He's out there getting, like, deflections, steals, you know what I mean? Um, and those deflections lead to his teammates getting steals. And um, block shots, he had, like, what, three or four for, like, a, what, a 6'5 guard? Mm-hmm. Like, and I know it's still early in both of their careers, respectively, but I meant to do it kind of lighthearted in a previous episode. But, damn, bro, that OB pick, with the way Randall's playing, the way Tyrese Halliburton is looking... I know we got quickly to kind of make up for it in the point guard department, but it made him. It might have made more sense to get Halliburton if they knew Randall would be this guy. You know what I mean? Because he could shoot too. Like that jumper, I was kind of worried about that form. You know, it was kind of like the Lonzo situation, but mm-hmm. um, his form, to be honest, is better than Lonzo, but it wasn't like ideally pretty. But it, it's effective. You know what I mean? It's it's like a quick flick, even if it looks weird, and he was making it last night. Um, it looks good, like when it's like going to the rim. If it if it doesn't look good, leaving his hands. But yeah, that's my takeaway at least at first. Main takeaway: how how good he looked. What about you? Or do you echo my same thoughts? Yeah, I echo your same thoughts. I'm not gonna I'm not really gonna say that um, it was a mistake to draft Toppin over Halliburton. I feel like we could go through it every season and find a guy that the Knicks could have drafted but didn't draft. And I think the same applies to you know many other teams in the NBA. So. 
fashion. Would it would it be nice to have Toppin produce earlier than he is? Then yes, that that I, I'm gonna go with that more so than we should have gotten Halliburton. Um, but no, obviously, I, I like that you added in. Had we known that Randall's gonna play the way he's playing, because that that's a big factor, and I think that's exactly. that's a reason yeah. why we picked Toppin because Randall wasn't producing as well. Um, uh, but I think I think the. I think the way Halliburton's been playing kind of sheds a little bit of light to way to the way that Toppin's been playing, and he hasn't been playing as well as he was expected to. Although he's only played like six games as a pro, and we we have to be patient. And there's gonna be a, a you know steeper learning curve than we thought. Um, but I think one of the reasons why we drafted him was because we thought there wouldn't be as steep of a learning curve because he's older. Um, yeah. So he, I think, hopefully after seeing the way Halliburton played against his team. He tries to step it up a little bit more um, and figures out his game a little faster. I think his post game hasn't been as good as it could have been. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think I'm still, I'm still high on Toppin. Let's, I, I want to see how else he can play. But I thought it was embarrassing how the Knicks just couldn't get a bucket that second half. Good God. Yeah. That. We'll, get, we'll get to that. But I want to kind of – I do agree with your Toppin thoughts, though. Like, it was just like a thought experiment. Yeah. But – I'm not going to lie, hey, dude, just the way Halliburton is immediately playing right now and, like, how we need both a playmaker and shooting, mm-hmm. he would have fit like a glove. But that's why I threw the caveat in there. Nobody at that time, I'm not going to be, like, 20-20 hindsight, pretend like it, it didn't make sense at the time because everybody thought Randall was out the door. You get your power forward of the future, pro-ready, you know, NCAA the player of the year. But and the thing is, he hasn't been looking like trash. I see, like, you could see glimpses of, like, a good player in there. Mm-hmm. He's um he's coachable. He looks like a, like a kid that's, like, all about the team, too. He's not like he's playing selfish out there. But to your point about the post game, bro, it's just like he doesn't have any strength, like core strength. You know what I mean? Like, it don't matter how small the defender is. He's It looks like he's posting up at a disadvantage every time. You peep yeah. that? Like, yeah. last night, he was having trouble against Corey Joseph, I think. Like... <laughs> <laughs> just get in the weight room like i think it's just like a like you know Most what i mean like we gotta play into the situation you know what i mean it obviously but it's just like yo Corey joseph fuck him when he was making like back-to-back shots i was like are you kidding me like that was the most <laughs> the thing that enraged me for the second right there i didn't get more pissed at any point in the game than when i when like Corey joseph started hooping for a quick bit i was like get the fuck out of here like goddamn fucking extra fucking player like like he's just i don't know i don't know what he is he's it was annoying. <laughs> that fucking extra ba- player. Yeah. Ba- yo, he sh- the very fact that you brought up his name tells you, like, how irrational we are as Knicks fans. Like, that I'm, like, reacting this way. Because we Knicks fans know what, what that means. Like, always a trash random player used to, like, go off against us forever. And I thought that's what was about to happen. Like, this is going to be the Corey Joseph game, and ESPN makes fun of us again. But <laughs> back to Toppin, I think it's just, like, obviously, like, unorthodox uh, offseason, shortened training camp, no yep. summer league. Less time in the uh, NBA weight program. Um, and obviously, he's out with an injury getting his legs. But I think just this summer, that's got to be his big thing. He's just got to, his focus, like, you know how RJ's focus is, like, get his jumper right every offseason? Top his main focus is, yo, just get that core strength up. Just do nothing but deadlifts and squats. You know what I mean? Like, do exactly what Steph did. Because did you, have you heard about, like, what Steph did to, like, make sure his ankles never fucked up again like like he used to knock on wood he no. realized it wasn't an ankle issue it was like a core issue he had weak core strength mm-hmm. which made his base like his legs and down to his ankles and his feet super weak and that's really bad when you're a ball player so he, he got with trainers and physical therapists that literally worked to strengthen his core and all, and like this dude can apparently like deadlift like some crazy like mm-hmm. you wouldn't expect looking at steph curry he could like deadlift like fucking what brock lesnar could you know what i mean apparently wow so 
like to that end, like I don't expect Toppin to like really develop like that, but he needs to get in the weight room. My point, you know what I mean? Like yep. once he actually gets some meat on his bones, pause. <laughs> he'll, <laughs> he'll 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 look like a much better player. Like that's the short end of it, I think. But yeah, back to the depressing game last night. I don't want to say depressing because we we looked like it was a win for yeah. a while there, but and, it was frustrating. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna say it's a depressing game either. The Knicks are now eight and nine. I think if they hover around 500 for the rest of the season, that's a big upgrade than what we thought coming in. Um, Facts. Context um, is key. Yeah, it was it was just an annoying game, but I'm not upset. I hope there maintain there's some takeaways that the team has that they learn from. Um, and it, it was it was coming off a of back to back in the West Coast, so. I, that that always does play a factor, even if it is even if it is against the Kings. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is a beast. Um, Facts. He didn't shoot too well. He was seven of twenty, but you could just you could feel him all around the game. Pause. Um, he is just he was just everywhere. And, <laughs> That's three uh, in one episode. What <laughs> <laughs> was wrong with this now? Uh, and there's um, always and you know you, you mentioned Corey Joseph, but I feel like the other guy who is never really that big of a factor who just played a big factor in this game was fucking Rashawn Holmes. Who had a double double and six blocks against the Knicks? Surprisingly, though, like back to the NBA hipster comment I made earlier, like Rashawn Holmes from like I read a lot of articles, he's always getting shout outs from like these analysts just about how like good he is. So mm. uh, he's I think that's like expected for Kings fans. Kings fans, that's like us Knicks fans. Like we know like Alec Burks is crucial to our rotation, but you say that to a non Knicks fans, they look at you crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think Rashawn Holmes is like their big man, Alec Burks. Not to be like a stand or anything, but he just wanted to kind of. Yeah. You know, yeah, no, it could be. Defend um, his honor. <laughs> I'm sure. Um seems like the high energy kind of guy, but he was locking up the Knicks and he was just being a pest throughout the game. Um and Honestly Rashawn Holmes is like if Norland New Orleans Noel like believed in protein shakes. That's what I that's my first thought when he was <laughs> when they were playing last night. Because Noah would be such a better player if he wasn't like rail thin. Right. And you know the weird thing is that or the interesting thing is that on paper, the lineup that the Kings have, at least the starting five, seems like a team that if the Knicks had it, we'd be super hyped about. Like De'Aaron Fox, Marvin Bagley, second pick. You know he he shouldn't have gotten that second pick, but he's still a, a second round, a, a first round pick, top two. Buddy Hield, um, Tyrese Halliburton. On paper, they have a pretty good team. Um, Glenn Robinson, former dunk champ. Uh, Harrison Barnes. Yeah, I totally forgot that too. They mentioned that during the game. I was like, well, what? <laughs> That's the only I reason why. I, that's literally the only reason why I'm saying because they mentioned it, bro. I, thought I didn't remember that. Being bad, mean, and sarcastic at first. I was like, "Yo, that was a nice dunk. Why are they doing that to him?" Oh shit, he's an actual dunk champion. <laughs> and he missed the dunk too. Though it was an easy alley oop. I'm like, "Yo, who's the scrub who tried to get this alley?" And they're like, "Yo, former dunk champ, GR3." That's I'm why like, I thought it was sarcastic. Like some dude, some poor schmuck misses a dunk. Like, oh, former slam dunk champion. Like, that seemed like an asshole, sarcastic thing to say. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, shit. Yeah, that on paper, I like with their team. I get, I get, I feel what you're saying. You know yeah, I mean? um, they Darren just play Fox, in the West, bro. bro. Like he's such a mass matchup problem for uh, uh, Peyton because even if Steph Who? got his numbers, obviously it's Steph Curry. Obviously he's a better player than Fox a in Fox terms of like f- physically wise. Like he was like he play. He relies on craftiness. You know what I mean? So it wasn't like that. I guess steep of a kind of a. A challenge for Peyton to match up physically, at least. But Fox is just so much quicker than Peyton, and he's just like much more athletic than Curry, obviously, because he's old yeah. or older. It was just like we were dead in the water as soon as like they hit the court. You know what I mean? That was the, the distinct advantage. Because even if he wasn't efficient, 
he was making shit happen. You know what I mean? Just like that, like constant activity. Him and Halliburton was just all over the court, bro. It was. I love. I love watching that and watching that team. I was like, yeah, Buddy Heel can shoot, but if they could get another shooter that costs less, that lineup makes a lot more sense. You know what I mean? I think Halliburton is the backcourt future there, honestly. Yeah. If they could get a valid coach, because Luke Wallen, I don't think he's a good coach. But if they get an actual coach there, that's a really, you know, a, a lineup that could be good for in in the, in a year or two if they really learn how to yeah. put it together. Um, <laughs> yeah. Side note though, like apparently Bagley might not be not might not want to be part of that future. Like, have you seen like kind of that drama that happened with the Bagley and the Kings? No. You heard about that? What the hell? You, you've got, really fallen up with the Kings a lot. No, like this came up because like, no, nah, 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 I don't follow the kids but like you know nba hipsters these people on twitter that i follow mention them i was like oh, okay that's nice but um this is actually funny um apparently marvin bagley's dad was on twitter just uh, like demanding he get traded yeah and apparently like internally that's like kind of a thing like bagley is not feeling wanted i guess or wants to be there <laughs> i'm just like yo shut up you're marvin bagley like you got picked before Luka Doncic like you should never speak up ever or like tell your relatives to shut up because there's mad heat on you right now you know what I mean like don't bring added attention to yourself (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I just want to throw that in there it's a funny story you know what I mean the Kings I want to make one point there was some Knicks fans that were talking about talking mad tough and confident going into this game against the Kings we're not there yet guys you know what I mean as a team as a franchise we're at that scrappy stage we're not a contender yet you know what I mean so I was not taking the Kings for granted last night were you no and what was the word that you used before uh you said someone said that this was uh what was the term Somebody said it would be an annihilation or something uh, along those yes. lines I, yes. I, I I forget who but um <laughs> it was uh I heard that or I saw that and I was just like Nah, man. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's uh, we feeling confident on a Friday or we you know, end of the end of the work week. We in a pandemic right now. Like there are no fans. They're like half, uh, like a like a third or or not not a third, but at least a third of the games recently the past couple of weeks have been postponed. Like there's no guarantees for anything. And at the end of the day, we're the Knicks, bro. <laughs> like nothing's guaranteed. We could lose the next five. You know, knock on wood. And that 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 wouldn't come as a surprise. Um, they yeah. won three in a row. They lost a bunch in a row. They they had a, a streak earlier in the season, like two or three games. Um, like no, nothing's guaranteed. And um, unless you want to add on to something, I was gonna change the topic. No, I was gonna lo- like I keep saying like, oh, we'll talk about the later. We're later is here now. This is the fuck Alfred Payton segment. Like right. like you said, we're the Knicks. And like to you, to add to that point, we're the Knicks and we start Alfred Payton. You know what I mean? We play Alfred Payton heavy minutes. This is why we cannot go into any game confident. I'll give him props for his role in a in a defensive lineup that performs well, but just him as a player, he's just such a anchor to our offense, bro. And like it was like such a this disgusting thing looking at the Kings and how they played us defensively at the end of that game. And I don't yep. know what broadcast you were watching, but I had the Kings broadcast. I did too. They were just they were gassing up that defensive performance, and I was gone just getting annoyed. I was like, that just says more about our offense, bro. Like props to Randall for how he's played this season, but our offense is just dog shit like that, where the worst defense on the floor can hit the court and just make us look like scrubs. You know what I mean? I was enraging, at least for me. That'd be my last note though. On this game. Yeah, it's all Alfred Payton's fault. Um, that was a stupid-ass contract that we gave him. And I still, <clears throat> you know, the, based off the way IQ's playing, I don't think, I know after the Celtics game, we, we were saying that he should start, but his performance in the last three games just kind of is a reminder that he is a, he is a rookie. He's going to have these on-and-off games, and he might be better 
coming off the bench and trying to get the other guys going. Like, can you imagine Alfred Payne coming off the bench with Kevin Knox and Obi Toppin and trying to get those guys going? It never happened. We wouldn't be getting all these Kevin Knox baskets, probably. Um, Toppin mm-hmm. wouldn't really know where to go. He's not going to be directed to go anywhere. Um, so I think the only thing with Alfred Payne starting is that Julius Randle's handling the ball, which which works out. Not to not to give any justification for Alfred Payton's game, but it's more so of a reason why currently at this moment it might be better for IQ to be on the bench because we have Randle who's capable of handling the ball. My thing though is like I'm not I'm not you know what like even if like cute uh, quickly doesn't start though I just feel like lineup wise Tibbs to your point about like. Peyton with the bench. I don't want to send him to the bench. Or, like, I don't expect Tibbs to send him to the bench, but I want, what I want him to do is adjust the rotation so that, like, um, Randall and Peyton spend less time together on the court. You know what I mean? Agreed. So, like, Peyton could start the first few minutes and then bring an IQ. You know what I mean? Like, he could kind of be our Keith Bogans, like, as Tibbs had in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Not to, like, limit him to, like, 15 minutes, but, like, maybe 20, 25 minutes, depending on how IQ looks. But split him and Randall apart and... Quickly, yeah, his numbers individually haven't looked good, but I'm like, just a, he's a shooter, you know what I mean? Like, just the threat of him shooting will naturally um, make things easier for our playmakers, right. RJ and Randall. So even if, like, his raw numbers ain't looking good, um, I just feel like his presence on the court is a benefit in itself, which you can't say for Peyton, you know what I mean? Because as soon as he gets on the court, as far as his lack of shooting, lack of shooting and also lack of willingness to shoot, he's a detriment. He's an anchor to our offense. Yeah. So with that being said, though, like, I mean, and the thing about Peyton to the bench, like, you make a good point. Like, when you have a guard on the bench, you want your second unit to come in and be the change of pace, like, uh, speed things up. Peyton's not that guy, you know what I mean? But at, at, but at the end of the day, I do think if he just comes off the bench and he just wants to be, like, dominate the ball and he wants to, like, rack up his, his assists, maybe that in, in itself will still not really hurt Knox because he'll – Somebody's got to shoot for Peyton to get these assists, right? Um, so I think he'll still get some opportunities. It, it'll just like, I don't know, it won't be as smooth, you know what I mean, for the yeah. young kids as Knox, it would. Knox is going to have more eyes on him because when Quickly has the ball and Knox has the ball, you got to keep both eyes on each player. But with Alfred and Knox, you're not going to pay attention to Alfred. You're going to expect the pass pretty much. But I get, I get what you're saying, and the, that kind of formula – with Peyton starting and then IQ kind of finishing the game, playing more minutes. I thought I thought that's what Tibbs was going to do after that Celtics win, but we didn't see right. it the last two games, I want to say. I don't think I saw it that with the Warriors. I'm pretty sure Alfred, Pay, uh, Alfred Payne uh, played most of the fourth quarter. We saw him most of the fourth quarter last night, and I think that's the main change that he has to do because it, it worked with the Celtics, a, a really good team, and for, yeah. for whatever reason, we didn't see it the last two games. So, you know, I, I, I echo that. Um and I feel like we're going to be stuck in this kind of position until we make a trade and get get this guy off the team and get yeah, an I actual mean, point guard. Exactly. And teams with mediocre rosters always face these kind of questions. Like, the Pelicans themselves are kind of in this. Pelicans are, like, what I thought we would be. Like, you see how bad their record is? Mm-hmm. And it's because their lineup is, like, kind of the same problem as us. Like, no shooting. Like, uh, Adams and Zion in the front court. Was it Lonzo? And, yeah, they got Ingram. But then who else is the other point guard? Eric Bledsoe, too. So it's just, like, Ingram's only knocked down – knockdown guy there and their record is worse than ours but like so to, that's a compliment to Tibbs for like taking the same kind of constraints and doing better with it and yeah we're in the east versus west but I think it's just like that's a similar level of talent I feel like on on, on the rosters maybe even going into the season a lot of people would say the Pelicans had more talent you know what I mean but then you look at the records right now 
I thought it was comparable. But to that end, like, yeah, I mean, we're just going to have to deal with those constraints. And I'm kind of just thinking of the logic, though. Like, to your point, maybe Tibbs, this was his kind of plan, like, going into the season. Because you realize, like, or what I've realized, and a lot of people I think have noticed, like, RJ, he plays confident with or without vets. You know what I mean? He'll mm-hmm. be, He'll do his game. But Knox, he's a timid kid by nature. You know what I mean? So I feel like when he's playing with more veteran-oriented people, and I caught this last night, him and IQ were deferring to Alec Burks a lot. You know what I mean? And Knox has always kind of deferred to veterans, but RJ's not that guy, so maybe that's why he felt comfortable having a veteran, lack of shooting, but veteran-heavy lineup in the uh, starting lineup with our two best young players, and then the younger guys will play together because their skill sets fit better and it's a better environment for them to produce, you know? I guess I see the logic in it. It's just, like, annoying, bro. It just boils down to Peyton. Get him out of here. <laughs> um. So, you know, I, I was going to mention this while we were talking about uh, Marvin Bagley. You saw how Randall was playing against him last night? Cooking him. Every time. There was a point where Randall said he can't guard me, and that was the truth. Man dropped 26 points and 15 rebounds, and I think Randall has double-digit rebounds in all but maybe five games this entire season, and a lot of them are like 12 and up. Killing All-star, it. bro. All-star. All-star. There's no argument right now at this point. Like, I'm past the point of thinking, like, if he keeps us up, like, I think this is him. You know, like, his bad games have been, like, stat stuffers, and he's always having a winning impact on the team. We would be straight up racing for the number one pick without him this season. I, I feel like I could say that because the way he's playing and the way he's carrying the load is making it easy for RJ to have these good games as well. Right. So, yeah, our, Randall, bro, he was looking at Bagley like he was food. That boy was food all game, bro. Mm-hmm. It was It was like... Not even a question that Randall coming down the court. If he wanted, he could get buckets every time. And it's like, Bagley's longer, too. And I think he's probably more athletic because that, that was the scouting report coming out of Duke, I think. He's like a, a pogo stick athlete, big man. But Randall, that's, that don't matter when he's a bully. You know what I mean? Like, he was out there just like, when we talk about, like, Obi needing to go to their weight room. Like, <laughs> Randall was out there making it look like Bagley never lifted a weight in his life. <laughs> the strike difference is crazy, bro. Yeah, and you know one of the biggest complaints with Randall is that he's he's turnover prone. But if you look at the last six games dating back to just ten days ago, he he hasn't had more than three. He hasn't he's had three turnovers only once in the last six games, and uh, prior to it he was getting four or five turnovers. So he was turnover prone beforehand, but the last two weeks he's only gotten three turnovers three turnovers once. Two turnovers last night, two turnovers the game before, Orlando zero, and he's, you know, getting 26 and 15, he's getting his assist numbers, he's averaging 22, 12, and 6 almost, and only mm. and he's averaging under three turnovers for this, for, for January, and for the season, uh, a little over three, but, you know, he's definitely improving his game, and he's just getting more, he's getting better and better, man, definite definite all-star and i think rj barry is putting his name in as a guy who who might be able to get the votes in as well or maybe at least be so the, a, a a bench all-star I rj i mean yeah. I, I, I don't i mean i think we're kind of premature on rj just because like the guard slash wings in the east i feel like you mean like those uh, guys, hardens those on are out there hardens on the you know east mean? now yeah harden kd's a wing he's probably a wing classified in the nba i would classify him as a hybrid big wing at this point but you know, Harden, Jimmy, even if his numbers ain't crazy like that, Jimmy's probably going to get the votes anyway off reputation from the coaches, I feel like. Brogdon. Brogdon, yeah, shit. Um, 
Oladipo's out of the East, right? Yeah. yeah. Kyrie, you know what I mean? Even if he, like, went no-show for a bit. Yeah, I just think it's easier for Randall, just because, like, Randall, we know, is, like, playing at the roster level. With RJ, it's just, like, if he can keep this up, and if his shooting follows along with it, because look at his numbers, bro. Like, his efficiency still isn't there. It's ticking up gradually, slowly, you know what I mean? Like, totality of the season, but I don't think he's... he's maybe next year is a conversation with is the all-star conversation with RJ. Hopefully, you know, knock on wood, he continues to progress at a upward trajectory. But yeah, I still love RJ, though. Like, I love what I'm seeing from him. Like, I'm not giving up hope on that kid. He's a hooper, bro. Mm-hmm. He is. I'm not worried about it, like, in terms of his. He knows what, what his game is, and he's adjusting to what the team needs and what his constraints are. And I'm, I have no doubt that he'll work on, you know, fixing his weaknesses. Yeah. Know? And I want to give love to one more guy who we don't. I feel like we don't mention him enough in our podcast as Mitch, and like oh, we do mention a him a lot. But I think in the last forty-five or so minutes we've had his podcast, we mentioned his name maybe once throughout the whole time. The Knicks are the number one or a top NBA defensive team f- because of Mitch. And last night uh, another double double, twelve ten, and um, monster one block. But he's not committing fouls the way he used to, and he's shooting. At a very high percent, January for the month of January, seventy percent. You know, so I think this whole season is averaging sixty-six percent. I don't know how that ranks in the NBA, but um, I think the only factor in his, in his game that he needs to improve on is the free throw shooting. It's horrible right now. He's, I think shooting like forty something percent, something like that. Damn. All right. I mean, I think that'll that could tick up a bit. But like to your point, though, just about the lack of mentioning Mitch. Is because previously we would always talk about his potential and just but the worry about his fouls, just like kind of moaning about that. But this says a lot about him. He it's like Mitch's defensive performances and his like lack of foul trouble. It's like almost a given now. You know what I mean? Quiet is kept. I feel like that's a, like that's why it's almost a compliment because it's like we never have any bad things to say and Mitch is always there. His def- if our defense is puts in a good performance and you know we're near the top of the league with the best defense in the league, that's because of Mitch. Like he's. He's the anchor of that whole thing. You know what I mean? Yep. It makes it easier for everybody to, like, institute that game plan of, like, walling off the paint. You know what I mean? Making it hard for penetrators. When you have a defensive anchor behind you, you know what I mean? Directing traffic, erasing shots at the rim. You know what I mean? Like, I love Mitch. You know what I mean? If we don't speak enough about him for our listeners' tastes, that's because we know he's going to bring it now. You know what I mean? Like, and my, a point to, I wanted to kind of make or bring up, that Warriors game, Mitch versus Wiseman, you know what I mean? Wasn't that the conversation? Who Like, that was a hypothetical thrown out over the offseason. Mm-hmm. I'm watching both of them on the court. It's crazy that we got Mitch at a second-round pick because those are both lottery-level talents, you know what I mean? Right. Like, Wiseman is special offensively in his creation ability, but Mitch was looking, like, special out there right with him, you know what I mean? Defensively, he's way ahead of, like, where Wiseman is, you know what I mean? Um, and he'll continue to get better, but, yeah, that's my rant about Mitch. I mean, just want to throw that out there. I didn't realize we've been we've been lacking in the Mitch talk, bro. We've been slacking. Yeah, I mean, the, it, it is a good point. There's really just nothing bad to say against him, and he's performing as expected. Just, uh, you know, needs to improve free throw percentage, and he's improved in the foul game, man. All those, you know, nonsense stories from earlier in the season that he's unhappy or he's switching to his fourth NBA agent in, in three years and all that, that's just, it just dissipated. Like, these... Headlines just aren't working anymore, and we haven't, you know, knock on wood, we haven't heard a stupid team chemistry hurting headline in in a while. I think the last headline that I saw was um, 
you know, Berman saying something along the lines of Knicks playing against a top rookie that they didn't draft or some shit like that, which is, you know, a tabloid kind of headline. But that's that's something that is not missed but not seen as much are tabloid Knicks headlines anymore. And, um, you know, I, I put up a tweet last night because ESPN is trying to give the Knicks <laughs> props now, and I'm like, yo, tweet. ain't no unity without accountability. Get the fuck out of here. For years, ESPN. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Was that? <laughs> I see what you did. There. Yeah, there, right. Yeah, you saw that. <laughs> um, ESPN, the Republican Party of the sports world. That's I dig it. Exactly. It's it like some. I like it. They be the <laughs> ill Lindsey Graham right now, trying to trying to connect back to us and pretend like they they was with us the whole time. Get the fuck out of here with that. Nah, that's motherfucking Mitch McConnell. Like this motherfucker enabled that fucker for four years. Yeah. And then, like now ESPN shits on us for fucking four years, and like now they're just like, hey, look, guys, they're they're good now. Yeah. Fuck y'all. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I mean, the Knicks are playing well, eight and nine. They're getting their props, and we don't even care about the props. Honestly, I don't give a shit about the props. I just want to see Facts. them play their this games well, and you know, none of that shit matters. I don't care if ESPN has segments about them. I don't care if Stephen A. Smith wants to pretend that he's an actual Knicks fan, or you know, I, like none of that shit matters anymore. At this point, I, I think majority of Knicks fans are on the same page and just want to see their team win and just want. We're all just going to collectively uh, shit on Alfred Payton as much as we can, which is fine. Um, but I think uh, so far it's good vibes. In a, in, a, in, a, in a January month, and I feel like there's a first January in a, in a lot of years where we have positive vibes about the Knicks. What's that? Yeah, where we're not. It's the first J- January in the NBA season in forever where we're not depressed and we're, where we're not like looking at tankathon.com and the exactly. NBA mock drafts. You know what I mean? So, exactly. Good feeling. Yeah. Definitely echo your same thoughts. And, and people are like, there are actual people who are like, oh, like, do we want to keep winning these games? Because what about fate for Cade? And it makes no sense for us to keep losing games to give ourselves a maybe 14% chance of getting him. While in the meantime, we can have developed core with RJ, Mitch, and Randall at this point, and IQ and Toppin, and try to, you know, sneak into the play ins and get these guys to develop and build their team chemistry because that's what's going to help us in the long run. And there, we're not even going to worry about the lottery. We're not going to worry about the draft. There are a number of players that we can draft, nice. and that's why we got these guys, like Walt, uh, Walt Perrin, and whoever who are supposed to be draft experts, and they'll find the best player available, which is what we saw that they did with IQ at least for now. You know, facts, all facts, bro. Because like it's too late for that tanking talk now. Like we're we're in this upward trajectory and upward kind of like ride in terms of like wins and like the level of play we can bring. For us to tank, we're just going to have to, like, say, okay, fuck, like, being the number one defensive team. Fuck, like, fuck that. Like, that doesn't make any sense. You know what I mean? Like, we're going to be, like, a scrappy team, and I don't think a Tibbs team will, will ever have tanking in it. You know what I mean? And, yo, like, to the point we made about going way back to the Chris Paul conversations, to uh, the conversations about bringing a vet in here, a prominent star like that, it's all about giving the young players an environment where they could thrive, and winning environments helps young players thrive. You know what I mean? After like, we're not a super winning team yet, but we're not a trash team. And I think that's demoralizing for young players, especially for kids like Knox. Knox Frank, bro, four years oh, of this yeah. shit, you know what I mean? <laughs> we're finally, like, we're finally <laughs> yeah, looking this, decent now. <laughs> This is how it looks, man. <laughs> Yo, bro, and, like, and like Frank, the thing is, Frank, he would have fleeting kind of sneak peeks at that. Because remember, I think it was, like, the before the KP injury, we were looking yeah. like, a, like a 500 team, kind of a winning team with him and... Tim Hardaway, that was people, like his like our dynamic duo. That was right? like his rookie season too. So he saw it at and the then, start. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Never again. <laughs> Until like the end of his end of his contract, and like wow, like that's crazy, bro. Poor that's kids really traumatized. 
Exactly. So like that to my to that point, it's demoralizing, and like I don't want to go back to that, especially not where how we've been playing. You know what I mean? That would just wouldn't make any sense. And I seen like people like prominent uh, personalities, NBA Twitter personalities, like oh the Knicks would be decent in a in a great draft here. Like shut up, bro. Like shut the fuck up. We did that shit two years ago for Zion. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? That didn't work out, and everybody clowned us. You know what I mean? They were all like, oh, Knicks tanking instead of trying to build a culture. These same people, bro. The same kind of talk was there. Now we're actually building the culture. There's a supposedly amazing draft. I'm not doubting the Cade Cunningham. I'm not doubting the quality of the draft, but it's just funny. You know what I mean? Because we did all that shit, and we got clowned for it two years ago. It blew up in our faces. They just want us to tank again so they could have the jokes again. Mm-hmm. That's my that, that's my theory. Nah, so, it's not even so a theory. Obvious, that's, just, that's just facts. <laughs> facts. You're right. You're right. Fuck them. Fuck them all. You know what I mean? I'm, yep. I'm so happy Tibbs is our coach. I'm so fucking happy. He's built for this. You know what I mean? He's built to be the underdog. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, the Knicks are playing tomorrow against... Man, I feel like every time I say this, I always forget who they're playing. Let me look this up real quick. While you're doing that, some... Uh, NBA uh, headline just broke, kind of, so we could kind of close this, close out our episode with this some con- conversation. You see what, what Kyrie posted apparently? Bleacher no. Report uh, put out a notification about what Kyrie, because uh, they just had back to back losses. He said something along the lines like, oh, "Don't worry" or something like that. We will be on that stage where the best of the best meet. Mm-hmm. Like he pretty much like in so many words just guaranteed he's gonna be on the finals. Like. I, that don't usually work with players, bro. Like, remember LeBron, like the Miami shit. Not one, not two, not three. Remember, it's not along those same lines. Where it's just like he just guaranteed you, yeah, we, we in the finals team. Like, if I was an Eastern Conference contender, I'm, I'm taking this, I'm taking that disrespectfully. Like, what the fuck? You know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know, bro. Yeah, you, you mean just, you mean like D Rose when he said that it's the Warriors' big three. <laughs> Like we we got the big three and the Warriors got their big three. <laughs> you talking I, like that? And that came out of nowhere, bro. I think like D Rose. Uh, you ever see this tweet where remember when uh where uh when uh he made like a shot and like the entire Chicago team like picked him up and shit and he had like that look on his face. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, uh, Tyler from mixtape would just be like, oh, when they chanting MVP and you trying to figure out what that spells. <laughs> <laughs> so D Rose isn't probably like I think I don't know no sh- super shots at him. He's not probably the brightest bulb out there, Mister. Um, I don't know what consent means, but you know what I mean. Maybe he saw sarcastic comments then, like oh the Knicks are building a super team, and he took it literally. <laughs> I think that's literally what happened. <laughs> like they talking about us, like we the super team. Who, bro? Who said that seriously? <laughs> Funny as shit. Yeah. Maybe he went cl- many. Maybe he meant close personal friends and family. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> um, yeah. So the Knicks are playing the Blazers tomorrow at 10 p.m. So another fucking late night game before the Monday work schedule starts, and then the Knicks play Bro, the Jazz so 9 p.m. on Tuesday. So we got one more late night game. It's gonna be against Lillard, McCollum, uh, Mello. Um, so it's gonna be an interesting game. Hopefully the Knicks get enough rest to uh, you know come out of this with the dub. Um, and I think we're, we're good to put a cap on this episode. What you think? Yeah. Um, unless you had some thoughts about, uh, Kyrie's comments. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally but forgot yeah. about that for a sec there. Um, it, it just, it just sounds like Kyrie, you know, that's just, that's just some Kyrie shit. You saw his post game, not post game, the, the press conference game where he's just like, uh, an inch away from the camera and just answering questions. And I forgot what he said, but, um, 
But like that kind of shit just doesn't yeah. surprise me anymore. You, you didn't see like his first game back. There was a press conference, and he was literally just like head on his hands, and he was just like face like like an inch away from the camera. And wow. fuck, what did he say? They just asked him like, "Are you ready to play?" And he's like, "I forgot what the fuck he said." But there, yo, there's a whole meme about it. I got, I'll, I'll send it to you. This guy, bro. I mean, and then like the same week, we find out he bought a house for George Floyd's family. So like, exactly. Yeah. The reason I see, I probably ain't seen that. I probably did see it and like subconsciously just like, like overlooked it because. My whole mentality right now is like, yo, this stupid shit about, like, stupid shit's gonna happen with Kyrie, you know what I mean? Because I think he's a good-hearted dude that just, like, puts his foot in his mouth mm-hmm. like, often, you know what I mean? And um, does some, like, shady shit. Like, you sh- if you're gonna take a mental health day, please tell your boss, a.k.a. your coach. Um, that Things like that. But then, I'm just trying to kind of just pay only pay attention to the good he does. Because he, he, do, he does, he he's for the cause, you know what I mean? He's for a lot of good causes out there. He does a lot of good things, and... He doesn't publicize it himself. It always comes out after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's always low key. So I always got to give him props for that. So I just think he's a good hearted dude that just uh, has questionable um, kind of, you know, I don't know, questionable comments often. Yeah. Look at the picture I just sent you. Let me head on over there. He was missing for seven games, and this was his his (laughs) press conference. Yeah, I think him and Kyrie, or not him and Kyrie, him and KD are just, like, on an all-out war against the media this year. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, media, like, actual NBA media and, and the, the ex-player media. Because you've seen KD and uh, LeBron were in somebody's Instagram comments talk about how, like, the old players are, like, basically bitter and just, like, putting down the young uh, kids or something like that. They'd be, be doing that. They'd be doing that. You saw yeah, the Shaq yeah. thing to, to Mitchell? The other day? Yeah, that was fucking stupid, bro. That, like, fuck, like, Shaq, obviously, he's, he's a legend, but, like, the whole point that I saw somebody, a prominent Perth writer or somebody make, and I agree with it, I forgot who it was, it's just, like, the difference between the NFL media and NBA media, the NFL media, it's purely just about the game, or mostly about the game. Mm-hmm. And the reporters and the writers do their best to educate fans. Writers do that for the NBA, but then the personalities in the NFL and, and um, NBA media world, like ex-players, ex-players in the NFL do a lot to like explain the nuances of the game, and big up current day players. You know what I mean? Almost continually, it's never yeah. like this petty, dramatic bullshit. NBA ex-players, aside from Allen Iverson, they all bitter and say some bitter shit about the the new generation. All the time. What's going on right now? And it's just like, I right, we respect your era, but you like shut up. Like, why would if you're here to like big up this product, the NBA product? And I feel like Adam Silver, like dead ass, got to do something about this. Why would you actively put prominent personalities out there, especially on, like, TNT, a big, like, platform like that, that continually shit on your product? How are you going to build your fan base and build, like, your your league into something that's wide or more widespread? You know what I mean? It doesn't make any sense to me. So, like, it may be a hot take. It may be some crazy shit. But, yeah, Adam Silver got to do something about this. I mean, as Knicks fans, <laughs> we, we experience that almost on a daily basis. And that shit right. gets us pissed off. and makes <clears throat> I, I'm still boycotting first take after that stupid-ass – <laughs> Stephen A. Smith segment where the, where the, where Brooklyn signed KD and Kyrie and he was by the window like looking out it and uh, Molly came in and was like patting him on the shoulder or some shit like Elite after that game, though. <laughs> uh, it's been like close to two years I'm like yo I'm not I'm not watching this shit anymore like this this kind of shit needs to stop and you're 100 percent right I agree with you I, I don't know why Shaq had to say that to Donovan after Donovan had a, a fucking amazing game and what what, what do he say he's like I don't think you're ready I, to take that next level right or some uh, some shit like that. He's like, like what, what you got to say to that? He's like, I. <laughs> he just said, I. I was just like, that's so perfect. That was a perfect I mean, answer. Don't fucking entertain it. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
Um, and remember KD did the same thing with Chuck. Chuck kept asking questions. Mm-hmm. And, or, like, ask one question. KD's like, yeah. <laughs> just a blank stare. <laughs> I, I, I fuck with that. I, I, I agree with what KD and, I mean, to the extent what Kyrie is doing because it's, yeah. it's shedding more light to the dumbassery that they have to deal with on a daily basis all the time. And uh, but you know on another note you saw uh, the Nets lost back to back games to the Cavs. Yeah, that's exactly why Kyrie posted that shit. And um, <laughs> yeah, bro, defense. Like, come on, people. Like, defense. It's a cliche, but this stat always comes up every year around finals time. No team in the NBA history has ever won a championship without a top ten defense. Mm. The closest was literally a team Kyrie was on. I'll give him that. Would was that that LeBron like one of those final Cleveland teams, twenty seventeen, the first year uh, KD was there. Yeah, Cleveland's defense that year was trash because they didn't actually try because they just won in 2016. And then they kind of stepped it up in the playoffs, but they were mostly re- relying on their elite offense. So this is the blueprint for the Blue- Brooklyn team as well. And defense still matters, though. You know what I mean? Like, that's the closest anybody's ever came. I don't, I don't, I mean, I'm worried about this Brooklyn team because you got Steve Nash, rookie head coach, and you got Mike D'Antoni, who literally actively does not care about defense. Mm-hmm. Literally. You know what I mean? I don't know, bro. It's... uh. I don't. I, I think that Lakers would take them in like five, maybe six, just because that offensive talent there is crazy. But, yeah. yeah. What about you? What, what, what's your takeaway from these back-to-back losses? Uh, I mean, once once they make the playoffs, I think it's really going to hit them because uh, the other two or three good teams in the East are all known for their defense. You got the Bucks, you got Miami, and you got um, who's the other one I'm thinking of? Even like they might see a team like Toronto in the first round, and that they're going to give them problems because Toronto's always excellent on defense. Um, and then you got the Pacers, who are also like the East. There aren't that many good teams on the East, but if you're a good team on the East, you have excellent defense. Even the Knicks, which is a mediocre team right now, is one of the top defenses in the league right now. So the East is packed with with strong defense. So I feel like the Nets might even have. You know, I don't think they're going to sweep any teams in the East playoffs right now. They might just because it's a overwhelming offensive talent, maybe in the first round, but I feel like second and third round it, it could get tricky, just because defense is like when shit slows. That's another thing though. Like that's why I, I still buy them as contenders, but like in the playoffs we know the pace slows down, and they have three of the best isolation scorers ever of all time. So when shit slows down, they'll always get a bucket. So it might not even matter if their defense, like in the early or early rounds, it might not matter if their defense kind of stinks. But I just. I just worry about them in the conference finals and definitely in the finals because I don't think they're being L.A. this season. I think next season is like they should go for broke, but this season, nah. I think we might see one more trade, especially if they lose a couple more games before the trade deadline to teams like the Cavs. I think the front office is going to have no choice but to make a trade. It would be be bad on their part. They wouldn't be doing their jobs if they don't make a trade for a defensive player. I'm not saying they have to trade one of the top three guys, but – DeAndre Jordan can't hold you up for the whole playoffs. You thinking? You think Kyrie's out of there? No, nah, not yet. I think it'd be foolish okay. for them to trade him right now, unless there's chemistry yeah. issues. I think it'd be very foolish of them to trade Kyrie right now. It might just be the that'll be the funniest okie doke ever though. They're like, okay, we'll do the duo thing. We just wanted to upgrade our duo, so we just swap out Kyrie for Harden and just get get some shit for Kyrie. Get the get better role players around this new duo. That would be gangster. I don't know if Sean Marks has it in him, obviously, because they did this for a reason. They want to have, like, an all-star team. They got like, it in them. They, they traded D'Lo like he was nothing. They traded LeVert like he was nothing. They got rid of Atkinson just because Kyrie said to. So, 
Yeah, I think maybe he's got and, it. and maybe Marks like he comes from that that no nonsense Spurs culture. Sean Marks, you know what I mean? Um, so maybe like even if they're about empowering their star players, maybe he's just like not Kyrie. Maybe it gets to a point where it's disrespectful to Sean Marks. You know, maybe he's already fed up, and maybe they get fucking Kyrie, get Kyrie out of there because. I don't know who where it came out from, but I'm pretty sure legit reporters said like there are whispers around the, the the Nets organization where they're kind of not had it with Kyrie, but they're you know they're really getting rubbed the wrong way, and they're like that was kind of the motivation to get Harden, you know, mm-hmm. just like as a Kyrie guarantee. Because what if this happens again? And obviously his injury history. So yeah, I mean I wouldn't to round back. I don't I wouldn't be surprised if Marks get him out of there. Honestly, he's got that ruthless streak in him. To your point, could be yeah. Uh, all right, uh, we're going to wrap up this episode of Nickish. Make sure you check us out on all podcasting platforms and Instagram and Twitter at Nickish Show. Make sure you check us out on Sportscaster. Link in our Instagram bio every Thursday at 8 p.m. where we bring in a new guest every week to talk about whatever's going on in the NBA or the New York Knicks or anything that the guest wants to talk about basketball-wise. Uh, if you're interested in joining our show, it's a live stream. Make sure you uh, shoot us a DM on either Instagram or Twitter that you'd like to join the show and you know just chop it up with us. And um, in any case, make sure you uh, give us a like, give us a review on all of our podcasts. Uh, we appreciate the support, um, and uh, we'll, you know, we'll we'll be we'll be here recording a couple more this week. So uh, until then, uh, make sure you stay safe, um, and we hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. Take care, peace. Peace.